I remember in one of our escape journey that we explained, there was a child soldier that was with us and he was promised we'll come and pick him later. And because of how difficult it is, now you, you're starving, you're dehydrated, you're hungry, you can still hear the gunshots, there's ambushes. So this young man, people were tired of cutting it, he was left on the tree. And he was promised we'll come and pick him 50 meters away as I walk. And others, when I look behind, he pick his gun and fired the bullet in his head. And he collapsed on the ground and the skull was coming out. And I look at him, not shocked. I understood because that same voice that telling him to do so has been convincing me on the journey. Caught in the middle of this common evil I wish the world was a little bit fair Time to start looking at the man in the mirror Salam and hello, I'm Lily Bakala Piper and I'm so glad that you tuned in today. This week, the world is remembering and celebrating the radical courage, love, and peace legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and Coretta Scott King. They lived lives of incredible sacrifice in order to give us a world where peace was the norm and not the exception. And my guest today, Emmanuel Jal, is caring for the legacy of peace here in East Africa and has joined me today to talk about how he has transformed his life and used music to be a vehicle for his message of peace. Maybe you're already familiar with his story. Emmanuel's life was documented in the film War Child, which is based on the autobiography of his life as a child soldier during the Second Sudanese Civil War. It's a very tender and difficult story, to be honest with you. Emmanuel has suffered incredible loss. Um, the war cost him and the entire country so very much. And as somebody who cares deeply about the crisis in South Sudan at the time, and also about Emmanuel, I have to be honest, it was a hard interview to do. I didn't want to put out a story that might reinforce what people perceive to be the reality here on the continent, that this is a place you know, more known for conflict than we are known for peace. But Emmanuel quickly you know, undoes that narrative through his storytelling. He quickly shows me through our conversation how his tools of imagination and courage and collective love in Ubuntu really drove home a survival that has now led to a musical career that is really quite amazing. Emmanuel just released his seventh studio album called Shanga, which is a really gorgeous celebration of everything that we love about the region, of the culture, of the people, of the traditions. It's definitely worth you checking out. Emmanuel's work has been well celebrated and lauded. In 2010, he was part of a worldwide campaign called We Want Peace, and he wrote the title track for that campaign, which you actually heard at the opening of the show. On that campaign, he had support from George Clooney, Alicia Keys, Jimmy Carter, and Kofi Annan. You'll actually hear the song in its full at the end of the show, so please stay tuned to listen to that, and thank you, Emmanuel, for letting us include that in the show. Emmanuel's work has reached the halls of the U.S. Congress, of the United Nations, of the G20 Summit, and he has committed his life to building better pathways for other refugees from South Sudan into education, into health, and into other places where they can really reach their full potential. His work in creating conflict resolution in the region has been recognized 
during the Vakal Havel International Prize for Creative Descent in 2018. He was given the top prize. He was also awarded the Desmond Tutu Reconciliation Award in 2017. And those are just some of the awards that he's received. But after talking with uh, Emmanuel, you'll just really feel like you have been sitting down with a brother who wants you to know how courageous you really can be and how imagination can really be a vehicle for helping us overcome even the worst of what life may put in our path. So I hope you will celebrate Dr. King this week, and I hope you'll enjoy this episode and this conversation with Emmanuel, that his message and that his music will lift you and inspire you to pursue peace. So enjoy this conversation with my new friend, Emmanuel Zhao. Tell us a little bit about your life and your story. Well, I, I was born in South Sudan, and, and that is during the time when my country was at war with itself, and then it was Sudan. And that war reached the core of my family. So all my aunties died during the war on my mom's side, all my uncles uh, from both sides, only two are alive. Then by the age of seven, my father gave me out and told me I'm gonna go to school in Ethiopia. Um, and it was a difficult journey. And I ended up becoming a child soldier there. Yeah, and we were recording this in the second week of January, right around the anniversary of the referendum a few years ago where, where South Sudan began to work towards its independence. And so while this happened as you, when you were a child, the struggle towards independence, the struggle for political autonomy, it, it's, it's fresh. It's not something that is in really history. It's something that your community remains living with today. So Emmanuel, as a child, you experience, you know, being a part of a war. What does, you know, your teenage years look like? You know, you eventually become a refugee. You leave South Sudan. How does your story continue? Well, my teenage lives began here. So here in Nairobi. Here in Nairobi, we came here probably when I was twelve or thirteen, fourteen. I think nineteen ninety-three. We were in a place called Juba, and in Juba, a plane as escape was planned. The end of that journey, only sixteen people survived. Coming to Nairobi was, I was smuggled to Nairobi mm. by a British aid worker called Emma McCune, and that's how I came to Kenya. I came to Kenya illegally. <laughs> yeah. You know, I it's. I will say this is not an easy interview to do because so many times when we hear these stories of conflict and war, it's easy to divorce ourselves from the story. But I'm looking at you. Mm. I'm sitting next to you. I hugged you a moment ago. And I can't help but also feel the weight of your story as I'm talking to you. Um, so first, I want to say I'm sorry for what you experienced. Um, secondly, I want to thank you for having the courage to share it. Um, because even if we talked for three and four hours, we wouldn't be able to share everything. Mm. But I do want to understand why it's been important to you to share your story. At what point did you decide that this is a story that had to be shared? One of the things that encouraged me to share my story is that those who have gone through difficult times that share their stories, like my heroes, I don't know any one of them that got everything in us. Silver plate, silver spoon, everything. They went through, you know, um, this word I may use is 
everybody of them at their ball of shit. You know, which, when I mean that is, they've eaten, they've been in hell. Mm. Nobody that I find inspiring right now that haven't gone through hell. And so because of their stories that have been brought to me, it actually allowed me to open my story. Because even in my healing journey, what helped me were the stories of people. Mm. Like if you want to gain courage, go and listen to the stories of people who never heard courage before and learn how they gain courage. Yeah. So when you expose yourself to that, then you'll create a belief in your mind. And because the belief is reinforced by consistent information that are repetitive in a different way. Mm. And so that's what helped me to be able to start a new life. Tells you that the, the power of storytelling, which is so much a part, I think, of, of our cultures in this part of the world is, yeah. is this storytelling, whether it's for, for history purposes or to, to put our kids to sleep. You know, there's a, the story is with us. Let's go back to your story. Um, you are, as a young child in the war, several years. Um, you now begin this journey to what? Is that right? Mm -hmm. What? Very few of you survive. And you've told some of the stories of what you experienced in that journey. Severe hunger, watching friends die. Um, but you also have talked about some of the tools that you think helped you survive. T talk to us a little bit about that. Even though you were very young, what do you think helped you be one of those 16 that made it? What I can say, uh, as a kid, imagination was one of, one of the, the tools that helped me. And also believing that I'm going to be a part of a solution one day. So when I left my home, I wanted to know how, who made the tanks, how did they do it? How did they make biscuits? How do they make planes? Hmm. So as a kid, I was always ask, asking questions. Then I was told these things are made by people who went to school and that they planted the seed for me to want to go to school. <laughs> and why, what's the reason why I want to know how to make something is so that I can come and be part of the solution. And in that journey of us, I remember in one of our escape journey that we're explaining, there was a child soldier that was with us and he was promised we'll come and pick him later. And because of how difficult it is, now you, you're starving, you're dehydrated, you're hungry, you can still hear the gunshots, there's ambushes. So this young man, people were tired of cutting him, so he was left on the tree. And he was promised we'll come and pick him 50 meters away as I walk. And others, when I look behind, he pick his gun and fired the bullet in his head. And he collapsed on the ground and the skull was coming out. And I look at him, not shocked. I understood because that same voice that telling him to do so has been convincing me in the journey. But what, what helped me not to do so was I was hiding in my imagination. And so I wanted to be a part of a solution. I discovered I can imagine the future negatively and destroy me or hide myself in the imagination. Where do you think that came from? Do you, is that a part of how your parents raised you? Do you think it's just your own, just I, who you are? <laughs> I just discovered as a kid, like, that is where your head gets into and then it brings other stories. It yes. creates stories about the future, of how you like. <laughs> 
And then I think everybody has it. Yeah. And then, yeah. then I said, I want to smile more. I want to mm. look at the future mm. because I, I found it exciting. But also it's the questions I used to ask yeah. people. Yeah. How do you get there? Oh, because every kid wants to do something. And you nurture that through stories, through bringing yeah, heroes. Yeah. And so at this point of my journey, we, I remember this before, when there was no water, we wake up in the morning and wipe our hand on the grass and lick it several times. Mm. We drank our own urine for mm. survival. Mm. But now here the situation became more intensive, whereby that young man took his life. My left toe was cut. Mm-hmm. And it was rotten and it's painful. Mm. And every time I take a step, it's painful. Mm. Now here I am, I'm hungry, I'm starving, I'm dehydrated. And I remember standing in one spot and try to access my imagination. It did not show me. It didn't come. It just showed me the worst of the future. Mm. Then I try to see if I can go to the past and draw anything from the past that could motivate me in the moment. There was nothing. Mm. Then when I look at my present at that time, I remember it was so difficult to, to take in what is that. The, the, the reality was that you're starving, you're hungry, you're dehydrated, your right. foot is hurting. My past, my future and the present mm. collided negatively. Mm. And I discovered when, from now as I could ruin your future, your present and the past collide negatively. At one moment, you lose hope. Yeah, yeah. And when I lost hope, the voice convinced me. And I took my gun, you know. I tried to cock it with my right hand, it was difficult. I cock it with my foot and I closed my eye. And I fired the bullet. Mm. Now the bullet failed. Mm. The bullet did not come out. And I was left shocked in that moment. It's one of the stories that I never want to tell. Until Mm. I discovered by listening to other people's stories that your lowest point in life is directly proportioned to your strength. Mm. And so then I began to come out courageously to tell this part that I attempted not only once, but several times to take my life. Mm. But this part of my journey laid the strongest foundation. Mm. What happened is in that silence, what reminded me that I'm alive was the pain of my foot mm. coming back. <laughs> you, know, you know that kind of pain that you feel feel that yeah. you can feel in your brain. It's not yeah. a headache, right. but you've stepped, the pain goes and you feel it. That how, mm. That's what the message, that's what crushed my hope. But at this moment, a voice in my head told me, you are here for a reason. Then I picked that line and I said, I believe I've survived for a reason. Mm. And for that reason, I'm going to stay alive. Mm. And so I repeated that line over. And you know, as a kid, you, you can pray to your mom, God, or whatever. I did many prayers, I mm. speak. But that line, that word that assured me that I'm here for a reason, I picked that belief. 
And when I said it over and over, my body was charged. Mm. I took the first step. Mm. The pain was still there. But because of I was possessed by the belief that I'm here in this world for a reason, I got a complete different energy. I was starving before, but now the words, it's, I discovered something that I learned this from my mom before that if anything bad happened to you, say 10. If somebody says something bad to you, say 10 things good. Ten, say 10 good things to yourself immediately. And so learning, picking that line that I'm here for a reason, I found that it could be God, it could be an angel speaking to him, but I just believed it. And I repeated it over and over. Your teenage years approach and now the war ends and you're not in the war per se, I guess I'm thinking about now when you get to Kenya eventually, you must have now been facing new challenges as well. Yes. You know? Yes. <laughs> um, so I, I, I guess I want to hear also about kind of what is that next chapter of your life look like? Because the war does not end per se when you leave, right? The war continues, but somehow you, you are able to escape, you're smuggled into Kenya, Somehow, even for that reason, you're, you're, you're the one who ends up being smuggled, you know. Um, you end up in Kenya, you end up in school. What challenges then do you face in that next chapter of your life? What I can say in short is, suffering is essential hmm. for our growth, for our development. But when we don't find a, a meaning in our suffering, we will exist to suffer. Hmm. So in my journey, I found a meaning in each and every stage of suffering. But what, what that is, is when you know your purpose, your purpose will be the guiding tool. You know, I always say my purpose is the creator's will. Mm. My purpose is to be a part of a solution, contribute, restore balance, and give without expecting anything in return. And so in these challenges in my imagination, all I dwell back is I want to stay alive, I want to be a part of a solution. So even when you were in um, Nairobi and you'd reached that kind of next chapter, you're still thinking, I just got to stay alive? Nairobi was the most challenging part of my life. Really? Tell me why. Because back when I was in South Sudan, we're in a survival state. Mm -hmm. You have a level of focus where your mind organized itself to help you navigate it and get out through challenges. But now we came to Nairobi and I'm a peaceful country you know, in, in Kenya, now the war replay itself. Mm. I did not know what I was suffering for is called trauma. Right. Where I'm going to school and the teacher's teaching and the pen is stuck in my hand and the lesson is gone. Yeah. Like the teacher would be teaching in class and you hear gunshots. You're stuck. And sometime with which the teacher asking a question, what is in your head, Jao? So how did that give me pressure? I was in Brook House. The lesson will go so quickly. I ended up repeating one class four times. Mm. First, imagine, I used to get, what motivated me to go back to school? Imagine you go to school. Yeah. You're in year 12. You're in year 12 at that point. You so that fail. you're supposed to be at the end, yeah. Those, no, that was the, 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 the those were the, the, the year 12 one were the less difficult one. Okay. But the, from year, when I was 14, mm. yeah, 
13, that's when okay. the trauma was really heavy because I was getting kicked out of school. Yeah. But now in my 20s, 20-something, I kind of like figured out a way sure. to survive. But still. But you, you were not getting formal help. No, there was no formal help because one thing a lot of people don't know, trauma shut down the faculties of our mind that are responsible for doing difficult stuff. Yeah. Logical, reason, mathematics, all the most challenging thing. It occupy a lot of mental space. Course. The only way to expand it is through stories, through dance, through music. Then when you get a moment to expand it, then you you can face difficult stuff. It took me a while, but what helped me in that process is that same belief that I'm here and I'm going to be a part mm -hmm. of a solution. Mm -hmm. I remember I was given, I think in year 11 at one time, I was given a grade called UN. What does that mean? Uh, to me, I thought it was United Nations. And somebody laugh at me, no, it's not United Nations. It means unclassified, ungraded. Wow. So you are below fails. <laughs> <laughs> so you're a useless kid. Oh. You'll never be anything. So you know how African people are. Yeah. So I lock myself in a room that I am below fail. Mm. So the negative voice come and tell me how terrible, how useless I am. Mm. But I've learned how to speak by say, look, it's just because I don't know. I do not grow up like a normal kid. So that's why I'm like this. But I believe I'm going to be a part of a solution. Yeah. Physics, chemistry, biology, and English shall not define my life. Mm. I'm going back to school. So I went back to, uh, to Brookhouse. Next year, I get a UN. <laughs> Couple of <laughs> D. Not, not being able to go to year 13. The next, the next. But one time when I sat in this room and I said, I just want to go back to fail, just to fail. <laughs> My goal was to fail. If I cannot pass UN, yeah. let me just go and fail yeah. at least. Wow. So I, I failed, I was happy. I gave myself another goal. I got an E, got DSC. Eventually, with the power of belief, because when you believe something, it changes your psychology, even changes your, your, your immune system. It changes your entire body. Yeah. So because of believing and having that purpose, I finally got my D's, C's, and E's, went to University of Westminster, and my brain began to change. Mm. Because when my brain was beginning to change, I can absorb more information. Yeah, of course. At university, I was able to get 100% maths, 19% physics. So in terms of that same principle that I believe I've survived for a reason is what I applied. Mm. You know, you go to a studio, the producer don't believe you. But you believe that it's, you believe that you want to do it. Yeah. So you apply your imagination. So what I find now, like how to hack into your mind easily is, what is it you want to create? Can you imagine it? When you imagine it, believe it and go and find out. Mm. I wanted to be a rapper. I imagined myself on the stage singing. I went to the studio. I was kicked out. You cannot rap. I go and find out how can I rap? <laughs> then I go and practice. Then now I can rap. <laughs> <laughs> so let's pick, let's pick the story there. I mean, you, you have, yeah, a, a beginning of life that very few people can appreciate, truly. Mm. And then you have this incredible music career that's still outgoing. You just released your seventh album. Congratulations. Thank you. Shanga, <laughs> so everyone can find it right now. Um, tell us how music became your path you know how did it become the tool that you use both to push out a message of peace 
to heal. You talk about arts and music as being a tool for healing. And also, you know, as a vehicle to talk about South Sudan, to talk about Nairobi. Nairobi features beautifully, actually, in the Shanga video yeah. that's out, which is gorgeous, shot in downtown Nairobi. So tell us, you know, how musical becomes music becomes a vehicle for so many parts of your story. I mean, if you're a musician, you're gifted. You know, if you look sound, yeah. it's part of the creation. Like, like you've been, I've been trusted with sound. You know, it's it, it's everywhere. You know, everything is musical, hmm. and so. It's the only thing that speaks to our mind, our soul, our cell system, and can influence us without even us knowing. And so now I have seven albums out, and I'm going to continue to create more music. Before, I never knew I could. I didn't know that this gift was given to me. Mm. But even though it's, I never knew it before, the more if you discover your gift as young as you are and nourish it, it would take you before King. I remember there's a woman here in Kenya called Mrs. Mumu who became my mom and used to prophesy to me, tell me, you're going to United Nations, you're going to travel the world, you're going to eat with kings. When I was still, I, I couldn't even hit a note then. But wow. it just so that I'm passionate about something that I'm doing. And, and it's just, true, and you have. And I, like, Spoken in Congress, United Nations, at G8. Everything that Incredible. she said happened. Mm, <laughs> yeah. So what, what has shaped and influenced your music? You know, who are your greatest influences as you think about the music that you've been creating the last many years? What happened is uh, there's the old school singers. Like? If you... You go to if you go to like the if you go like from you know if you go to Congolese music mm -hmm. I used to listen to them you listen yeah. to can Kofi Olomide mm -hmm. Tabolez the my father's mom you they, mom you used to listen to that music you listen to Bob Marley the music that we were exposed to when I was in Nairobi like mostly Tupac you listen to. Um, we listen to the music of uh, Puff Daddy, Lost Boys. Mm. Then you go and listen to the Kenyan Kalamashaka. To me, before, I had no idea the difference between Kalamashaka and Tupac. I used to <laughs> think, this guy chose Swahili, this guy's rapping in English. English, same, same. Because everybody, I used to think Bomali was Ethiopian. <laughs> he probably <laughs> thinks he is too. No, because I did not know, because they yeah. used the, 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 sure, the, sure. the, the flag, the Ethiopian yeah. flag. And then my mind was not open that there's black people out of hmm. here, Isn't that something? out of Africa. It yeah. took me a while. You think, why do you need Tupac? I used to think Tupac was a Kenyan. <laughs> That's so funny. You, you know, because yeah. it's American. It doesn't get in your head yeah, yet. It takes yeah, a while. Oh, yeah. Tupac is Kenyan, but that's what I used to think. Biggie, I used and to think. And all of those artists kind of shaped think Biggie was style. a Kikuyu guy somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, we need to do a whole episode just on, on Emmanuel's musical journey. <laughs> so now, now I'm more open now. I was exposed to uh, Lucky Dube. You know, uh, South African music was really good. Then now exposed more to now Nigerian La like Fela Kute. Mm. Then you go to more like Angelikijo. Mm. I didn't know even Angelikijo. I just think Angelikijo was Kenyan. 
Well, you know, it's, it's interesting what you say, you know, because I think that the power of what you're saying is that music is universal. It, yeah. is, it transcends so many boundaries. It gives us something that actually nothing else can give us. It becomes ours. Yeah. It becomes ours. And your music now has become a part of our culture and our yeah. fabric, and it's become a part of our message. In your in Shanga and all your previous work, We Want Peace, you've put out a message to actually encourage this very principle for everybody to own a piece of the story, right? Yeah. To own our part in the solution yeah. that you've been trying to create since you were very, very young. So I guess as we, as we wrap this up, um, I have two more questions for you. Um, one, how are you creating peace with your music? Let me start there. So the piece, first piece is in me. What is that feeling that I want to project? Because my traumatic experience took my peace away. Mm. I was not able to see. I was a bitter kid. I'm here in Kenya, going to school. My plan, one of my biggest plans was to learn how to be a pilot and go back to war. Mm. I hated Muslims and Arabs, but Kenya opened my mind and made me see things differently. And so the peace that was in my heart, you know, because here, there are many tools that can help manage people. You know, going to the church was a good thing. Listening to uh, those uh, show called Kubamba by DJ Moses. There was another show on, on Hope FM. So now you, I created time that I'm going to listen to these positive people, you know, that have something to say. So those things helped plant the peace back into me. But the most of the work was to, to clean myself, to rewire my brain. Mm. To, when I've done that cleaning, now that's what I'm pouring out. You Absolutely, know? yeah. And because I have that peace, you know, you can only push what you desire. You know, what is the burning? If you're doing it strategically because there's a hidden agenda, it will eventually show. And so, peace is when my belly is full. Peace is justice, equality, and freedom for all. Peace is when conflicts are managed in a mature manner that the violence is prevented. So as a kid, I used to push out to think peace can be attained by asking the other person to do it. When I came, I was totally wrong. Hmm. And I came to realize peace starts with you. What you project outside there is a reflection of you. So now my eyes are tuned inside me to work better from inside, you know. And that's what you take out. You're right. It, it starts inside and it starts small, for sure. Before we close, I ask every guest these last two questions as a wrap-up because, you know, we talk about joy and justice on this show. Sometimes that can be heavy and your story is, is no exception. So I'd like to know two things from my guests. One, what is your favorite drink? My favorite drink. Your favorite drink. <laughs> All right. Favorite drink in terms of water? Water is your favorite? I think it would say favorite what you consume the most. I guess be. it could be. You can t you can interpret it any way you like. My favorite drink. So, like, I mean, I drink different stuff. I, I think if we go in terms of not trying to be healthy, yeah? Just your favorite. You just it's go. It's Friday. Today is Friday. We're recording this on Friday. You're relaxing. It's the end of the week. What are you drinking? Okay, in my bad days, Okay. <laughs> I would mix Coke and wine. Okay. <laughs> That's a first, Coke and wine, red wine? Yeah, mostly okay. red okay. wine. Okay, Coke and red wine. You like it sweet. Do you like sweet wine? You I like, like sweet wine. I like it uh, 
to bring that fermented taste. Okay. I okay. like fermented sugar. Okay. I love porridge. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, passion. No, mango. Yes. So you have then a bit passion. of a sweet tooth, a bit of a yeah. sweet tooth and fermented drinks. Okay. Yeah. This is very, these are very interesting. So far, people have kept it very boring. You're the most, this is the most interesting answer <laughs> we've ever gotten before. So, so coconut <laughs> no, wine and fermented drinks. I no, like okay, it. probably. I think it would depend on your genuine life. The reason I'm saying there was a one time I was actually a Coke addict. Coca Cola. Well, yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's keep it straight. Okay. <laughs> so, and I think I don't know why it happened like that. I would probably have two or three liters a day. What? Yeah, and this I would test my body like this, and it tests. I would smell like Coke. So that's unacceptable. That was insane. Yeah, that's insane. And then I did it secretly. That's a problem. Like you have to, you hide them under the bed. <laughs> Drinking Make your sure Coca-Cola? Because oh I gosh. used to go to the studio. Maybe you buy Fantas for everybody yeah, yeah, yeah. and then you buy one bottle, but they don't know you have three bottles. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you've changed your ways. That's a, that's a pa thing in the past. I call, no, because I was developing early symptom of diabetes. Oh, yeah. And yeah. then... It was eating my teeth. Of course, Emmanuel. Yeah, so now yeah. I think it became, and then I was developing high blood pressure. So it collapsed, you know? You know, it's funny. I ask people this question. Usually it's very simple. Oh, yeah. chai, kahawa, whatever. But yours has a story to it. It's this and this and this and this and this and this. You're a storyteller. But, you know, I mean, it's experiences. So yeah, experiences, yeah. Now when I, I almost died, I think one time my manager turned into... Luckily, I don't know what happened that day that she had to have an extra key. I collapsed in my bed in New York and she opened and find me like, you know, from like when, Coke? No, for high blood pressure. Like, for high blood pressure. Oh like my this. goodness. So I think she had some techniques. She took cold towel, rubbed it in my face and slightly I dropped. I would have gotten a stroke that day. Wow, Emmanuel. Then I said, this is it. No, I am not going to you mentioned like is universe will give you several warnings sure yes, yes 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 Agreed. and give you grace yes and from that day i said look i have to do something about my bad eating habits yeah, and yeah. drinking and uh and then that's what made led me into healthy foods when i make okay. superfoods and now i'm a foodie I like to eat healthy stuff. And you have some uh, healthy food products. We'll make sure we link that in the show notes, actually. Yeah. You, you've got put out that. In fact, I'd be remiss if I did not mention that your work now really focuses on, or, or you're channeling a lot of your work and supporting other young people. Tell us about the work um, that you're doing in the nonprofit sector to support other young South Sudanese refugees. Yes, yeah, so Gua Africa is the charter we founded that is based here in Kenya and UK. It works with families, individuals, and communities to help them overcome the effect of war and poverty. Since we have started it, it has put over 2,000 young people in school. Amazing. At the moment, we have a new project we're excited about building a library. We have libraries in the, in the refugee camp in Kakuma. And so, and that's where some of our work goes. And, and one of the things that I'm doing now, I'm now 43, I'm getting old. Is trying to be smart, set up businesses that can manage themselves without me. So if those businesses, once they succeed, they can be used to fuel these causes. Absolutely, yeah. And that's why I have a small business here, which is a food business called Jalgua, and it's based in Kenyatta Market. 
we make the best porridge there and the best tea. I look forward the to best coming. Mandazis, Fantastic. The best, you know, we, we try to bring traditional food and just bump it a bit and make them taste good. Awesome. We'll be, I'll be there. I'll yeah. be there. So we're going to put all that information in the show notes so people can find both yeah. Goa Foundation and Jal Jal Goa Jal Goa as well. What yeah. does Goa mean? Goa mean good. It mean all right. Walk powerful. God understand all in Arabic. It's mean power. Goa 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 in Arabic. I like it. What is bringing you joy? What brings me joy is giving other people joy. Anything that makes somebody joyful give me joy. My purpose is what generates me joy every day. Mm -hmm. And the joy is what maintains my internal peace of mind. Mm -hmm. And so, and it's easy. You can get joy by just being grateful, just going out. One of the things is I look at, I sometimes, you look at a tree and you say, wow, you're stuck here, but you know everything. That is happening. That's such a great <laughs> And you're always producing. Um, yes, you know all the seasons and you're not complaining. Me, I can travel. I can run away from the snow. <laughs> but it's you, not you. You're stuck. I'm going to think about yes, Next see. time I see a tree, I'm going to look at it differently. And you're still productive. Yeah, yeah. When you say that, whatever created you, mm. I'm really grateful. Mm. You're thanking God. You know, somebody does something good to you. And we enjoy from, from your, when you're happy from your heart, it gives you joy. It does. So gratitude. Gratitude. It's a perfect way to end. Thank you, Emmanuel, for being with us on this episode that we're honoring Dr. King's legacy. You were the perfect person to talk to about what peace means and how we create peace in our everyday lives. And I'm honored and humbled that you would spend time with us. So thank you for being on Salam and Hello. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Papa, thank you. And you'll be able to find all the ways that you can follow Emmanuel's work, emmanueljarl.com, and he's on social, and we'll link all of that in the show notes. And of course, we want to hear from you. So if you'd like to tell us your thoughts on peacemaking, peacebuilding, how you're doing that, send us a message on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Salam and Hello. And of course, you can always email me, lily at salamandhello.com. And until we meet again, peace. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, I'm looking for some people who's looking for peace Maybe together we could make the war cease Now we can send mankind to the moon And we can reach to the bottom of the sea That's why it's really kind of baffles me That we cannot end wars and bring peace And we cannot change the way people act And we cannot change the way people think So if we sit back, chill out and relax Civilization will soon be extinct That's why I am I wish the world was a little bit fair. Time to start looking at the man in the mirror. Fear is the devil's policeman. Fear make good genocide with Hitler so he can. Feel a war of genocide and I'm a good weekend. Tidin' up the land cause nobody was speaking. That's why I am. I'm calling on the whole wide world. Come on people, would you help me? Scream and shout, cause we want peace. Yeah, we want peace.